In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. You know, uh, men are sort of famous for refusing to ask for directions. Um, GPS on our phones has sort of solved that problem. Uh, but I can remember early uh, in my relationship with Amy, it was before GPS, and we were traveling to a small town north of Raleigh, North Carolina, and I knew about where this town was, and I sort of knew uh, the roads that I thought would probably get us there. Uh, I did not have a map, and I was not going to ask for directions. We got really lost, and then we got angry at each other, and then I did end up stopping for directions, and uh, I was embarrassed and late, really late. The moral of that story is if you don't know where you're going, you're not likely to get there. So, At Church of Our Savior, we know where we want to get to, and we have a plan to how to get there. Our vision statement describes our desired destination, and our mission statement is like the map for how to get there. Now, our working vision statement is this. We are a beacon of Christian vitality to Mandarin, northern St. Johns County, and the Diocese of Florida. We're a beacon of Christian vitality to Mandarin, northern St. Johns County, and the Diocese of Florida. And this means that we are aiming to be a lighthouse in our surrounding area, shining the light of the gospel of God's grace. We are a church full of discipled, serving, vibrant Christians. And we will get there by our mission statement, which is printed on the back of your bulletin. You can read it with me, or you might just have it memorized because we've been saying it for five years. Church of Our Savior exists to help people, wherever they are on their spiritual journey, to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if we keep helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus, we will be a beacon of Christian vitality. The question, though, is, well, how are we helping people to grow in their relationship with Christ? How are we helping people become vital Christians? We got the roadmap. It's the mission. And we know the destination. That's the vision. What is the vehicle to get us down the road? Well, we have three words that we want to focus on that sort of serve as the vehicle, the car, to move us along the mission and achieve the vision. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about these three words. They are also printed on the back of your bulletin. Those three words are connect, grow, and serve. Connect, grow, and serve. We connect to God and others. We grow towards God and others. We serve for God and others. Now, if every member of Church of Our Savior is intentionally and purposefully connecting to God and others in worship, like we are today, and growing towards God and others in study, and serving for God and others in our community, we will all be growing in our personal relationship with Jesus, and then we will, as a parish, be that beacon 
of Christian vitality. So today we want to talk about connecting. Connecting to God and others. And rather than just exhort you, connect to God, I want to talk about this incredible God who is literally dying to connect with us. And one of my favorite passages to talk about the heart of Jesus, I've preached on it several times before, is our gospel, Matthew 11. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I think one of the reasons I love this so much is that it is not what we expect God to say. It's not really even what we expect God to be like. And, and I don't know about you, maybe it's my own stuff, but I think we sort of expect God to be a sort of giant rule maker or even like a rule monger in the sky. And he wants us cleaned up and in line. And, and what happens so often when we understand God to be like this, is that we, we run from such a demanding God. Or we just try to convince ourselves that, that He doesn't exist. And at the root of that is usually that we don't want to follow His rules. We want to make up our own rules for ourselves. And besides that, we haven't followed His rules, and so we know if a demanding God is in control, then we're just going to get in trouble. You probably know someone who has run from that demanding God because of their own past decisions. Or maybe you were that person at one time. But in this passage, Jesus shows us something different, something even unexpected. Jesus calls to himself the weary and the heavy laden, those carrying heavy burdens, our translation says. Not the squeaky clean rule followers, not the ones who have it all together, but the ones that life has been hard on. Which is to say, he calls real people to himself. The ones with warts and blemishes and hurts and secrets and cracks beneath a polished veneer. These are the ones that Jesus calls to himself to connect. Come to me. Come to me, he says. In this beautiful invitation, there are no qualifiers about past deeds or accomplishments. There is no asterisk about consequences. He says that in coming to him, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, he says. So come to me. Connect to me. So I think we need to ask two questions about this beautiful invitation. First, what does Jesus mean? And second, who does Jesus mean? What does he mean? Who does he mean? So what does Jesus mean when he says, Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We have lived enough life, I think, to know that Jesus certainly cannot mean, come to me and you won't have any more burdens. Right? Come to me and life will not wear you out anymore. I don't think he can mean that because life's still hard. 
I mean, the last 18 months have proven that as if we needed more proof. I think that you know that when I say that, that I do not mean that there are not wonderful parts of our lives too. Right? There are dear friendships, there's laughter, there's kindness and beauty and satisfaction of a job well done. And, and, and the list just goes on and on. But there is also an underlying sense in which what we're aiming for is just out of reach. In my family, uh, if we really want to laugh, we get out the laser pointer and our dumb dog chases it around the floor. Have you done this? She's not very smart. She's sweet. Not very smart. Jumps on it. Comes up empty. Jumps on it. Comes up empty. How many things in our lives are like that? We're aiming to do a good job. Boss takes the credit. We tried to forgive that one thing from years ago, but we just can't seem to let it go. It keeps eating at us. We cross one finish line, but instead of bringing rest, it just increases pressure and expectations for the next project. We do all we can for someone we love desperately, only to be disappointed. Again. Maybe we're even striving to be a great Christian, but that anger or the temptations or whatever it is for you just keeps cropping up. How many things in our life are like that? Chasing and chasing, but never quite catching what we're after. Maybe it's financial security, the approval of others, being the best at something. Much more. And I can't speak for you, but for me, that often uh, that ongoing sense of not quite getting there puts a, an elephant-sized weight on my chest. And, I, and then I tend to feel bad about that because I, I ought to be thankful for the good things that I, I do have. And so on top of everything else, there's a little dash of shame. But I think, and I don't think I'm alone in that, and I think it is this portion of the human experience, the never quite get there, maybe if I just try a little harder, over and over and over again, exhaustion that Jesus is speaking into. Jesus is not saying that life won't be hard. Jesus is saying that he is the refuge in the storm. That he is your safe harbor. He's saying that his love is sure. His acceptance is guaranteed. You never have to wonder if you've done enough for him. You never if you're, have to wonder if you're going to ever get there with him. Because the one whose opinion really matters, the Lord Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, he is not waiting for you to clean up your act. He is not looking at your report cards. He's not even waiting for you to get the weight off your chest. He says, come to me. He's already taken the weight on the cross. Come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. So at the beginning of this paragraph, take a look at that sentence. Jesus is praying to the Father. He says something strange. He says, I thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent. And you've revealed them to infants. So what, what does he mean by that? Because he certainly doesn't mean that smart people can't get into heaven, right? He means that those 
who rely on their own wisdom and intelligence, who think that they know how to get the weight off their chest, who assume that they know how to get it right the next time. They believe they can find their own peace. They can make it for themselves. Jesus is saying the divine rest is hidden from the self-reliant. And that cuts across the grain of everything that we work for in America, I think. Divine rest is hidden from the self-reliant. But in contrast, infants can't do anything for themselves. They have to have help with everything. They can't fix their problems. They can't pay their own way. Jesus is calling us here, like he does elsewhere, to come to him like a little child and find rest in his arms by placing our trust in his work and not our own. Not in our own efforts, not in our own potential. We're placing our lives in his saving hands day by day, moment by moment. The late author and Episcopal priest Robert Capon wrote this, Faith is simply saying yes to Jesus rather than no. It is at its root a mere uh uh-huh to him personally. It does not entail any particular degree of emotional fervor, And above all, it does not depend on any specific repertoire of good works, physical, mental, or moral. It is just, yes, Jesus, till we die, letting the power of his resurrection do in our deaths what it has already done in his. So what does Jesus mean here? He means that he is our refuge. He is our acceptance He is our rest from the striving, and he is never out of reach. What a personal invitation from the God of the universe. Come to me. Connect with me. Know me. So then the question, then, the next question is, who does Jesus mean? Well, the the weary and the heavy laden, sure. But what I mean is I tend to hear this invitation individually. And, and personally. And, and there is a sense in which each of us responds to the call. I just said it. it's a personal invitation. But what we can't see in English is that each time Jesus says, you, I will give you rest. I'll take my yoke upon you. That in the Greek, it's plural. Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give y'all rest. Take my yoke upon all y'all. It's a community invitation. We don't come to Jesus and expect to be alone. We come to the church. We come to the community of those who have come. What we all have in common in this room, what we all have in common in God's church, is that we are receiving the rest that Jesus offers. We have in common that we all know we need the easy yoke, the grace that Jesus is offering. Now, I've heard many times, and you surely have too, people say that they don't need the church to have a relationship with Jesus. And there is a sense in which that's true because we can pray anywhere. 
can read the Bible anywhere. We can serve Jesus anywhere. But I've got to tell you, there's not a single instance in the New Testament of people growing in Christ apart from the church, apart from the community of believers. Now, there's several examples in the New Testament of the church messing up, falling apart, Christians doing rotten things, just like happens today sometimes. And if we have had a bad experience in the church, then it might be natural for us to shy away. But the truth is that God has gifted us with each other. In the church at large, to be sure, but if I dare say, in this parish, this congregation particularly, and we're not perfect, Sometimes it gets a little messy. There is a sense in which the messiness is part of the gift. It keeps us honest, keeps us on our knees, forces us to be gracious and forgiving as we have received grace and been forgiven. See, part of being a vibrant Christian and a congregation of vibrant Christians is that we connect to God and we connect to others. And so we come. We come week in and week out. The invitation of the Lord God himself brings us here. Come to me. All who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. And I will give y'all rest. Amen.